Sixers Nation, welcome on in Sixers Weekly, man. Live on two channels, Philly Take with RB. Run it back, Philly. I'm RB. We got DJ Eastwood in the house. What's good? Let's go, man. We're going to talk the latest Sixers news, everything going on this week. More of a quiet week, but you know, man, as a Philly fan, things are always heating up. We'll talk about the summer league game that just went down. Isaiah Joe, baby. We'll talk about Eric Gordon. We'll talk about all the latest rumors. Jimmy Butler said what the PJ Tucker. We'll break it all down, man. Let's go. Hashtag fire Brett Brown on the shirt. I love it. I love it. <laughs> he got it, hired again, man. I never thought He's I was going to happen. He's back. <laughs> we got a lot to talk about, man. It's never, never a cold day. Never a cold day. Once again, welcome on in, everybody. Live on Philly Take with RB. Run it back, Philly. If you have not yet, we got 120 people up in the chat. Hit the thumbs up button wherever you're watching. Be sure to subscribe, man, and hit the bell so you don't miss any of the upcoming videos or live streams. We'll open the phone lines later on. If you want to call into the show, 508-924-3784. Maybe you have some thoughts on the Summer League. Maybe you have some thoughts on P.J. Tucker. Uh, Eric Gordon, Tobias Harris, doesn't matter. If you have some thoughts, call into the show, and we'll get to you a little bit later on. DJ, how you feeling, man? Feeling good, man. Feeling good. Um, I'm I'm learning, like, as I get more and more into this YouTube thing year after year, I'm starting to absolutely hate the summer. That sucks. I'm supposed to enjoy <laughs> the summer, but it's like, damn it. I need things to happen. Yeah. yeah. But, yeah, other than that, man. Yes, yeah, it's, it's, it's definitely a downtime. But, hey, man, I mean, it keeps us going. It keeps us going. And, uh, you know, it, at least it's a little bit different, right, throughout the year. It's not like you're doing the same thing all the time. We're talking about the games, and we're talking about the playoffs, then free agency, then trades. Like, it, it just never stops. Uh, and I feel like as Philly fans, man, we get we get, we get get a lot. We get a lot because of, you know, how our fan base is. But I, I like it, man. I like yeah, it. Yeah, the, the all season's been eventful so far, for sure. Uh, last offseason, obviously, was very eventful. Yeah. Um, and this off season has been eventful. Yeah, absolutely. Every year, man, every year. Um, but I think we have to start the show with what just went down in the summer league Sixers taking on the thunder. No Chet Holmgren, by the way, he ducked Paul Reed. We were all ready <laughs> for the matchup. Paul Reed, Chet Holmgren. He didn't play. I'm coming for the I record. Hey, freaking Joe. Yeah. He's coming for the record. Six blocks. He wants more. All right. He didn't play. I get it. I get it. But anyway, 
can we take a second before we get into it to admire Isaiah Joe? Will he crack the rotation? We'll talk about it. How about a game winner out of Isaiah Joe? As, as a Sixers fan, you must know every game comes down to the wire, okay? Every uh, summer league game so far, all three of them, have come down to the wire. And Isaiah Joe, what a shot, man. Fading away from three. What, what do you think, DJ? Is Isaiah Joe going to get some minutes this year? Yeah, listen, we thought he should have got minutes last year. Um, of course, his his whole thing is always that he's undersized as far as what position he would play in the NBA. And people say that he gets pushed around and things like that. But uh, what you saw right there and what I see a lot from him is his ability to get a shot off um, quickly, and regardless of his size or, as you saw right there, space. I mean, the kid has a, a just an absolute perfect jump shot. And for him to come around that that screen uh catch and shoot like that with a guy in his face um an and one technically I, I think with the defender moving into him in his landing space I mean the kid like w when you had us us uh shooting 17 percent from three in some of those games there's no reason for Isaiah Joe to not be on the floor and the, you know another offseason another year of growth for Isaiah Joe uh I think we should see him this season if you want three-point shooting off the bench just put them on the floor man just put them on the floor yeah the, the the form looks a lot more pure as well like he just looks more comfortable as he's stepping in we've been hearing about isaiah joe and how you know he's kind of taking that leadership role in the summer league team third year in i like to hear that i like to hear that about guys like isaiah joe and, and you just said it you know like look at the the options that we've had look at some of the guys who have been inconsistent in the lineup out of the lineup it's a couple threes can't hit a three for a week all right uh, we're not saying that isaiah joe is going to be the the most polished player but you know he's a young and upcoming prospect he can also handle it uh you know on the defensive side of the ball as well he can hold his own for sure um and you got to give him a chance to develop you got to give him a chance to play and when he's hitting shots like this man i mean it, it's big time it's big time for sure and you know this is a guy who i believe if he was on another team would have had you know more ample opportunities so far and i think you need to let him expand in his role yeah um you know i'm trying to go this offseason looking towards this season without uh going on doc rivers rampages but um you know he's never been one to develop players and part of developing young players is instilling them with confidence giving them enough time to get comfortable not putting a guy on the floor for for five minutes and then yanking him and not playing him again for a month um you know, and you can see, obviously, the summer league, He's he looks more confident uh, because he knows he's the veteran on that team. And it's like, you know, game down by two, uh, 24 seconds left. I'm shooting the ball. I'm the one here. So it was cool to see that confidence from Isaiah Joe. And, you know, hopefully that can transfer over to the NBA a little bit. And hopefully uh, Doc Rivers is willing to give him a chance to, to get enough time. It doesn't have to be a, a ton of time per game, but give him enough time. Uh, at least consistent time to, you know, get get comfortable in the NBA and see if he can do the things that he can do in the summer league in the NBA. So, you know, we're 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 praying that Doc Rivers has a sort of epiphany this this year. Yeah, I hope so. Isaiah Joe, 19 points today, went four for six from deep. You know, he had a I think he had 17 the last game, and I forget what he had the first game, but each game, um, you know, seeming to get better, stepping into his motion. I mean you know, just the guy who hopefully can crack the rotation. I mean, this is his third year in the league. 
Um, and he was one of the guys that we were obviously looking forward to this summer. You know, obviously we're playing competition that isn't up to par and some of these games are lagging through. They're hard to watch sometimes, but you know, all you can do is handle your business, right? And Isaiah Joe came out and, you know, he got better. Some people were, you know, on him a little bit after the first game looked a little bit hesitant, but he got comfortable uh, and he did his thing. Now, another guy, Paul Reed got to play today. Like we said, we wanted to see him up against Chet Holmgren. He did not go. Uh, but once again, Paul Reed handling his business, 14 points, five for 10, seven rebounds, two assists, one steal. Uh, Paul Reed, especially, you know, following up that first game performance, because in the second game, really nobody played. But Paul Reed had 20 and 15 in the first game, and then he finishes today with 14 and seven. Um, you know, Paul Reed's a guy we talked about as well, right? Like, he kind of seems between the G League and the NBA. Like, he's really, really good for the G League, and he'll dominate. He'll win an MVP. <laughs> Getting up to the NBA, he's obviously going to need more time to get you know his feet under him, and hopefully Doc Rivers will give him that. Um, what, is, what is your assessment on Paul Reed based on what you've seen? Yeah, I don't think Paul Reed's ever going to be like an NBA all-star or, you know, anything like that. I know we hype him up and people say, got it out the mud and b-ball Paul and all these things. We we do these things almost sarcastically in Philadelphia. We love to root for the underdog. We love to root for a guy that, that was – uh, was it was he a late second round pick or was he undrafted? He was a late second. He was a, he was a late second. Almost the last pick in a draft. But we like to root for a guy that's that's underrated and and it was probably told his whole life, you know, you're not good enough to play in the NBA. So um, you know, I, I love to root for Paul Reed, but I see him being a good off the bench rotation player for a lot of years in the NBA. Um, you know, he doesn't have to be a completely polished. Uh, stretch four, like a you know, 40% three-point shooter and a guy that can put the ball on the floor and create and things like that. Like when you're looking for 10 minutes of, of time to back up Joel Embiid you, and on this team, especially with the roster looked like last year, you're just looking for an energy guy that's going to go out there and grab rebounds and hustle and dive on the floor and, and play, you know, I, I play defense. I think the only thing Paul Reed really has to learn in the NBA is how to play defense without tackling people every two seconds and, you know, picking up five fouls in five minutes. And I think he'll learn that over time. Um, he said before that he wants to shoot 45% from the three-point line. Now, I just don't see that happening with, with the, 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 what it looks like when he shoots the ball. It looks like there's too much movement in his shot for him to have that high of a percentage. If he could get it, you know, 30%, 32%, maybe something like that. Um, and his willingness to shoot, I guess, could help spread the floor when he's on the floor. Uh, but yeah, I just see Paul Reed being a contributor off the bench, uh, for a lot of years in the NBA. And, and I don't think there was any reason last year to play, you know, Paul Millsap against Giannis or, or, or DeAndre Jordan at all. Um, and I think this season we should be looking for a lot more Paul Reed at the backup center position or Charles Bassey, one of the two. And I wanted to ask you actually, now that you brought that up, I wanted to ask you coming into this, this, uh, show, um, you know, it's basically set in stone. I think that we're not looking to sign a backup, uh, veteran backup center. So I, uh, do you think that is, uh, Daryl Morey saying, look, doc, well, I'm going to force you to use the guys that I drafted, whether you like it or not <laughs> in the, <laughs> to quote doc rivers, whether you like it or not. Yeah. What do you think? Oh uh, yeah. Yeah. I agree a hundred percent. I think that, um, this is now the time where these guys aren't rookies anymore. They're third year players, second year players. Um, and Daryl Moore is looking at what happened last season. He's I, I know at this point for a fact, this is just me, but I'm saying for a fact, like 
Doc Rivers went out to Daryl Morey and said, go get me DeAndre Jordan. And I'm sure Daryl Morey probably looked at him like, that's not really what I want to do, but you know, I'll put my trust and faith up in my coach. And we see how that worked out. The Paul Reed victory tour comments, all that stuff. It was just a disaster. And <laughs> Daryl Morey is a guy that listens to the pulse of the fan base. And, you know, he's seeing some of this young athletic talent that he drafted himself. Like he came in here right away. Boom. Tyrese Maxey, Isaiah, Joe, Paul Reed. The next year, Charles Bassey, Jaden Springer, Philip Petrusev. Like he's like, yo, you got to play some of these guys. Look at the landscape around the league. Look at the Celtics. Why are they developing all their first, second, and third year players? And they're they're getting time on a championship level team. Like we need to to follow suit. And I think you're right. I think Daryl Morey had enough. And he said, you know what? You're going to have to play one of these guys. I'm not getting you <laughs> another center. There's just no way. And, you know, when, when you look at a guy like Andre Drummond, for example, the Sixers were rumored to have interest in Andre Drummond. I thought he was going to get a starting level salary. Andre Drummond got signed for, I think it was like $3.2 a year. Like the Sixers could have absolutely went and got an Andre Drummond back. But Daryl Morey said, nope, we're going in a different direction. You're going to have to play these guys. And we'll obviously talk about Charles Bassey, but Paul Reed and Charles Bassey probably look the best on the team. So, I mean, it, it's right in line there. And they, they have to, have to get in the rotation, man. Yeah, when I look at Daryl Morey and Doc Rivers, I can, I, I, part of me can almost predict a, a future of, of, uh, of uh, headbutting. Um, two guys with big egos, two guys that, that each think they know the right way to do things, and two guys that were hired separately by Sixers ownership, not two guys that came together and said, let's go to the Sixers together. You know, Daryl, Doc got hired, and then Daryl or Daryl, then Doc, I don't remember. It happened so fast, but they were they were separate. They didn't, like, choose each other is what I'm trying to say. And uh, when you look at the history of Doc Rivers, uh, specifically in Boston, uh, before he got traded to the Orlando Magic for a first-round draft pick, he had disagreements with Danny Ainge and others in management about the direction they wanted to go. They were looking more analytical. They wanted to do things a certain way, and Doc was refusing, and they traded him. Um, I could see Daryl Morey getting to the point where he's saying, listen, this is what we're supposed to do, and this guy won't do it. You know, help me. We got to do something. You know what I mean? And knowing the Sixers, we're probably too late to be able to trade Doc Rivers like the Celtics did and get a first-round <laughs> pick back. We're, we're probably at the end of the Doc Rivers thing in the NBA, maybe. Uh, but yeah, I, I see these two guys, uh, potentially ending up disagreeing on, on a lot of things. Uh, Kai Carlin had a, a, a piece that he wrote and in the, in the, in the, in the article, he said, uh, via a source, the opinions are not necessarily aligning mm -hmm. on the Sixers backup center position, which tells me that somebody from inside there is leaking like, Hey, Doc said this, and then Daryl was like, no, we're not doing that. And, like, you know, yeah. so I could see it happening. I mean, Doc is very stubborn. I don't see him, you know, if he – he's not going to listen to anybody. He thinks he's uh, Greg Popovich 2.0. He's just not going – he's not going to listen to Daryl. I don't think he's going to listen to Josh Harris or anybody. I, yeah. You know, I don't mean to be ultra negative, but I, I don't see the Doc Rivers thing uh, doing anything well – uh, you know, I, I think this is towards the end of his NBA coaching career. I really do. And uh, yeah, I, I, maybe, maybe yeah. he'll come around this season, but if he doesn't, you know. Well, I mean, it's hard to really have optimism that he will and, and come through that, you know, stubbornness as a coach. Uh, but like you said, you know, 
at some point their heads are going to butt and something's going to happen. And I think Daryl Moore is also looking at these teams that he's put together the last couple of years. And he's saying like, you know, look at the rest of the league. We should have had a chance to get to the Eastern conference finals. We should have had a chance to, to maybe get to the finals. And, you know, time is ticking. And I feel like Daryl Moore, this is the off season where I've, you know, we've been saying it for a while, but I think he's really just sitting here like, okay, I'm going to do everything I can to get us to the third round. And he's like, what's the best way to do that based on our, our flexibility right now? Well, I'm going to put together the team that got me there in the Western Conference Finals and adding Joel Embiid on top of that. And yeah. I, I just think this is an all-in type of year. And I think if Doc Rivers doesn't adapt, if he doesn't adjust, I think he's on the hot seat. I do because, you you know, we we know we shouldn't have blown the lead against Atlanta. But we, you know, we obviously didn't have Joel Embiid. But still, the way we came out, the way we laid down and just kind of gave up and said it. We physically said it. So Daryl Morey said, okay, I'm going to go and get some some dogs. I'm not going to let that happen again and let this team get embarrassed. But like you said, you know, if Doc Rivers doesn't adapt, we might be in the same spot. And it, it just can't happen. We're wasting valuable years, valuable chances for this team. And, you know, it's got to yeah. get better. The problem is the contract that they gave him. Um, you know, I think Daryl, if I had to guess, would, would – would, uh, prefer a younger coach that that would be more of like uh, somebody that he could mold, or at least you know would be more uh, adaptive and and open to listening and things like that to to what he wants or what he thinks should happen. Um, but you know it is what it is. Yeah, I, I could see like if I had to guess a specific, and Doc has already blown my mind several times. This wouldn't shock me at all if we came out the first week of the season and. DeAnthony Melton didn't see the floor at all <laughs> after being a very good player off the bench for for uh, the Denver Nuggets. The Denver Nuggets for the Grizzlies. Grizzlies, Grizzlies, Grizzlies. Uh, yeah, I, that wouldn't shock me at all. I, I, if he would just, hey, look, shake Milton for for you know twenty yeah. minutes off the bench, and yeah. it could happen. So you know, Sixers fans, prepare yourself because it, it is Doc Rivers at the end of the day. It's going to be interesting to see, you know, what happens, especially with the backup center position. Shout out to Aaron with the $20 super chat. Appreciate the love and support. His Springer shot wasn't falling tonight, but his form gives me hope. It's not broke like Thibbles, and I can't stress that he was the youngest kid in the 21 draft and is younger than many of the kids in years draft class. Yeah, he's still 19 years old, not even 20 yet. Doc Rivers didn't even know how old he was in the exit press conference. So, um, <laughs> like Darren Moore said before, he's a project. But you're right, Aaron, you know. He is very young. We do have to keep that in mind. I think where where the issue collides is that Sixers fans are impatient, you know, and, and essentially we drafted a project last year. But Sixers fans are looking like, where's the piece that can get us over the top right now? Who is that guy going to be? And, you know, that doesn't really align when you go out and draft a 19 or an 18-year-old, actually. So yeah. um, I definitely hear what you're saying, man. Um and speaking of which, Jaden Springer, that's kind of who we need to talk about next because we talked about Paul Reed, Bassey. I think we would agree that both of those pro both of those guys probably make the roster. Isaiah Joe, I would hope so, based on how he's playing. But, you know, that's an iffy. He could start with the blue coats and, and work his way up. Um, before we talk about the rest of the squad, uh, Jaden Springer, I, I want to get your take on, on him and how he played based on what you saw or, you know, because I, I feel like I'm going to be more negative. So Are you? The thing yeah. about Jaden Springer is, first of all, I think that Daryl Morey drafted him as just a, you know, Daryl was in that draft trying to trade Ben Simmons. The, the the entire 
draft. He was trying to trade Ben Simmons. He was trying to get it done before the offseason happened this last year, you know, however long ago, and then it lasted forever. But he was trying to get it done before the season started. He was trying to get it done at the draft. He couldn't get what he wanted in return. Um, and I think he just said, fine, then. We'll take, we'll take Jaden Springer at right here because, you know, if all of this falls apart, at least we have a kid that in five, six years might be a really good NBA player. So I think that's why he took him. I don't think he planned on Jaden Springer contributing anytime soon. It was just a like kind of a backup, backup plan. If I can't move Ben for this, this, or this, I, I'm going to draft this kid. Um, I think Springer has a lot of potential. Uh, again, yeah, he's not even 20, which is crazy. I thought he was 21 already, but I guess, yeah, he's not even 20. So you can't really, I guess you can't really assess him uh, too harshly yet. Maybe you can, I don't know. But I, I think he has a lot of potential. One of the things that I really, really like about Jaden Springer is his low center of gravity, his body control in the air, and the fact that he loves creating contact and taking contact in the air and staying square and finishing through contact. And, you know, when people compare him to Matisse Thibel, they, they only compare him to him because of his athleticism and his defensive ability. This kid can already play basketball 10 times better than Matisse Thibel at 19 years old. I've, I don't think I've ever seen Matisse Thibel break a player down off the dribble, jump into contact, and finish uh, uh, an and-one layup. Like, it's just – I think he has a lot of potential. He's just very, very young. Uh, I don't know much about his three-point shot. I've seen a couple of nice mid-range jumpers. Uh, but I really like his attacking ability and, you know, his his uh, center of gravity, how he holds himself in the air, and he's strong. He can jump high. Uh, he had the block last game that was after a foul call, but he almost hit his head on the rim blocking a shot. So I love his athleticism. And, it's again, I don't think it's a player that anybody expected to contribute anytime soon anyway. So maybe, maybe three, four, five years from now, Jaden Springer is a solid NBA player. Who knows? In terms of how I view Jaden Springer, I agree with the notion that he's a project. You know, he's very raw, and, and we can see that. I don't think there's any chance, by the way, that he cracks the roster. I think he'll be in the G League once again, which I think you have to look at yourself and reflect as an organization. You know, we drafted a guy that's going to be in the G League for two, maybe even more years. Uh, that's a different story, and that that's kind of where I'm frustrated with the Jaden Springer pick. Uh, overall, I think you make good points about him. Now, I still think on his jump shot, he's you know really pushing it, and I I have a problem with the Sixers' development in terms of getting these guys you know better offensively and, and making them more polished players. Doesn't seem like there's a motivation there. I got to be honest with you, the Jaden Springer I saw in summer league is the same exact Jaden Springer I saw last year. The only difference is that he hit a couple big layups uh, that I don't even know how they went in to be honest. Um, <laughs> but you know. I don't know if Jaden Springer can break anybody down on the NBA level. Yes, he's going to be a nice defender. He can, you know, pick some passing lanes. I think will be good for that. But really, he reminds me of another Thibel. And I'm not saying he's better or worse than Thibel. I'm just saying he seems he still seems to me as one dimensional. And, you know, he's more athletic. He'll at least try to put it on the floor. But his jump shot, you know, it's it, it just doesn't seem pure to me. And it needs a lot of work. And, you know, I see him try to go for, you know, a couple short shots or layups and he misses and he's kind of all out of whack. And I don't know, man, I, I just he doesn't strike me as like, OK, this kid's going to be ready anytime soon. And and it's not yeah. even more with him. Like, I like him as a prospect, but it's more so with the Sixers organization. Like the pick just doesn't make sense to me. And I, I'm seeing this notion. I, I'm seeing this theme, you know, with a lot of these Sixers players like. Paul Reed, for example, you're telling me they haven't 
just changed his jump shot a little bit. He's still doing the same thing. Look at Charlie Brown Jr. He shoots from the side of his head. <laughs> I, I just don't I don't understand where the development I... technique is. And I'm seeing the same thing. And I don't know if it's ever going to change. When Charlie Brown Jr. shoots, I want to turn the game off. I don't care if it goes in. It's one of the most horrible-looking jump shots. I can, it, it, a lot of times I'm shocked that, like, how did you get this? I mean, I know how you got this far, your other attributes, but it's just kind of just funny to me that you got this far and that's how you shoot a basketball. So it maybe says, it maybe says like, more about the other things a player is good at or his size, his athleticism, his hustle, and things like that, but... Good Lord, Charlie Brown Jr.'s jump shot's horrible. Um, yeah, I agree with you on Jaden Springer. I think I, I probably uh, need to take into account that it's not NBA competition more than I do when I see him break a guy down off the dribble and things like that. The thing about his size is that at his size, 6'3", uh, to be successful in the on the NBA level, he would have to be a point guard. Almost 100% he would have to be a point guard. There's no... There's rarely a 6'3", anything else in the NBA. Um, and, you know, to be a successful point guard in the NBA, unless you're John Rondo, you got to be a shooter, I, I, I think. You have to be a threat from the outside so you can run the pick and roll and bring the defense yeah. out. Uh, so then you start to look at Jaden Springer's, like, is he a facilitator? Does he play anything like a point guard? Um, and prob probably not <laughs> at this point. So he would have a lot of development to go in that category. And the same thing for Isaiah Joe when you look at his size, because you look at what position would he play in the NBA, and it would probably be shooting guard or small forward. And shooting guards and small forwards in the NBA are 6'6", 6'7", 6'8", and he's 6'4", 190. You know? So it's like we want to believe in these guys so much, but then you kind of have to look at it on a realistic standpoint. Like, are they actually the big enough to play the position that they would play in the NBA. Um, yeah. So, you know, this could all be just a smoke and mirrors because they're playing against G League competition, but uh, maybe that's the truth. Maybe that's why we don't see them on the floor. Who knows? Exactly. And another way to kind of interpret this is I, I think I'm just getting to the point where I'm frustrated with these players who I view as, you know, these guys are going to be great. These guys are going to be two-way development players, and they're going to turn into – you know, a potential defensive player of the year, et cetera. But there, there's no offensive development. And I'm just getting tired of that. I think we all are, you know, from Ben Simmons to Matisse Thibel, now Jaden Springer. Like, you know, Daryl Morey, to quote him from last year, he said, we believe uh, Jaden Springer will be a great defensive specialist one day. Okay, that's great. But, you know, look at the how things are trending. Look at the landscape. We need guys that can do it on both sides. And I just, I'm not seeing you know, the development. And that's, you know, again, a credit to to the Sixers staff. Like we need to be working on these things. We can't get to the playoffs, get to the big moments and have guys that, that won't shoot the basketball. And I think that's why you go get a guy like a PJ Tucker or a Daniel house, et cetera. Um, we're going to need to develop also shout out to Duncan with the $5 super chat. He says, we have a good starting lineup. We shouldn't concentrate more on our bench if Harden plays as he did in the playoffs, do we need to cut his minutes? Well, I mean, that's really one of the things that this season hinges on. <laughs> you know, like this this season is is James Harden going to come back and, and show a resemblance of his old self. If not, we're going to be in trouble. But if he shows something and, you know, we incorporate Tyrese Maxey into the offense more and, and we get things rolling, man, we could be a decent team. We definitely could. I think uh... – 
you know, I, I was down on James Harden, obviously, when the season ended, how he played in the playoffs. And then I said a lot of things about him, what I think about his uh, work ethic or, or what he prioritizes more, winning or the lifestyle that he lives. And I will say that throughout this offseason, James Harden has at least brought me back in and, and at least opened up my mind to the fact that he could possibly be better this upcoming season, especially the fact that he, uh, you know, gave the Sixers the opportunity to sign players before signing his contract. He didn't opt into the $47 million, which would have capped us out. So that tells me that he not only wants to win, he wants the opportunity for his team to be as good as they can possibly be to help him win. And he wants to salvage his own reputation. He, I think he sat back and said, listen, I made $500 million in my NBA career between shoe deals and NBA contracts on and on and on. Uh, I want to win. I don't want to go out as this player that just quit on two teams and could have been an all-time great but maybe isn't. So I'm going to take a step back and I'm going to do the right thing. And I think maybe he's come to that realization, especially the age that he's at. Uh, it might be perfect timing for us and James Harden. Maybe maybe last year's playoffs was the kick in the ass that he needed. He, he had a friend that said publicly, James was embarrassed. James doesn't like to be embarrassed, and he will come back better because of that. So, you know, I'm getting closer to believing that. Yeah, exactly. And, and I mean, this guy is, you know, one of the best scorers that we've ever seen in this game. And he's sitting here thinking, well, the last thing I need to do is win a championship. That's the only thing I haven't done. That's motivating him. You know, he obviously is by the side of Daryl Morey, which is one of his best guys, best friends. You know, he's taking a pay cut. He's helping the team get better. Um, and one thing I will say about James Harden, because I know a lot of people were down on him, you know, when the season ended. I, I mean, I pretty much knew he was going to be back. There was no other way to really go about this, you know, based on where we were at as a team, unless we just decided to blow it up, which I don't feel that, you know, we thought was the best interest. I mean, this is the next couple of years here. This is our chance. This is our opportunity. Like you know, based on how we've gone about things. And the thing about Harden to me is that, you know, I appreciate the way he's at least handled himself in his press conferences. You know, it's it's kind of like, it, it's just fresh air compared to what we've had before, right? Like James Harden, at least he comes out and he says, you know, I got to get better. I will, this, this, and that. We're seeing videos of him working. That's all we can hope for. Now, maybe he comes back and he's he's still the same way, which would be unfortunate. Or as he said before, you know, having an entire offseason, having a training camp, getting to know these guys better and really having more than just a 20 game sample size will do wonders and will help this team. Because at the end of the day, I don't think we're that far away. I mean, yeah, look I at the we struggles are. we've gone through. Look at everything we've had to endure. And yet we've been in the second round, game six, game seven, two years in a row. That's where yeah. the guy that wouldn't shoot the basketball and a James Harden that didn't look anything like a shell of himself and a Joel Embiid that had a half of a face. So, exactly. like, I mean, we're right there, man. If Harden can look better, I think this team, especially adding guys like P.J. Tucker who have been in the big games, I think that can push us over the top, man. But, you know, we got to hope he's healthy. Yeah, people people keep saying we need more, we need more, this isn't enough, this isn't enough. They're, they're, they're just completely overlooking the fact that we have Joel Embiid on, on our team. And when Joel Embiid – I mean, it's it just – whether Joel Embiid's healthy, that's, that's all it is, really. When Joel Embiid's healthy – you have a chance to win a championship by putting the right players around him. That's that's it. You don't need it to be three superstars. You don't need it to be a super team. You don't need. You just need the right players around Joel Embiid. Shaquille O'Neal 
won championships because he had the right players around him, and he was the most dominant center in the game for almost 10 straight years. He was three finals MVPs, and Joel Embiid is the first center to lead the league in scoring since Shaquille O'Neal. I always compare him to Shaq, not in how they play, but his impact on the game from the center position. People say you can't win with a center as your main guy. That's not how the NBA is anymore, and I refute that by saying there hasn't been a center this good since the last one that was the best one in the game that won multiple NBA championships and Shaquille O'Neal. So I just think that the, a center being this good is very rare, but when you have one, all you have to do is put the right players around him. And I think you can play the game from the inside out and you can win with Joel Embiid as your, as your number one option. Uh, you know, James Harden looking more like Brooklyn, James Harden and Tyrese Maxey in year three and a better bench and Joel Embiid stays healthy somehow, some way we can win a championship. I really yeah. think that. Yeah, if absolutely. he's not healthy, we're done. It's just, you know, it's like Tom Brady and the Patriots. If you lose him, you're done. It is what it is. Yeah, and Embiid's only going to keep getting better, man, as we've seen uh, year by year. Also, shout out to Sean Quigg with the $5 super chase. The Sixers need to find the guy that fixed Lonzo's shot and hire him for whatever it takes. That's exactly my point, man. Like, look at guys around the league, first year, second year, third year. It's no coincidence that over the course of one offseason, they can fix a jump shot or work on it. And yet we're sitting here struggling to see guys even attempt to shoot like it, it's a problem. It's definitely a problem. And, you know, when you're talking about a guy like Matisse Thibel, who we've been high on before, and, and now you're in, going into year four and we don't know if this guy can shoot a, a three pointer like that is a problem. Man. And I wonder who it was with something. Lonzo. I forget his name, but um. Was it Drew Hanlon? It wasn't Drew Hanlon. It might have been Hanlon. It might have been Hanlon. But you know, the, th the, thing that the Lonzo did, thing that Lonzo did that a lot of NBA players need to do, uh, if I compare him to Ben Simmons' lack of jump shot development, is Lonzo Ball told his family to shut up. And he said, I'm going to go. I'm, he did. He said, I'm going to go get professionals that know how to do. Like, like, he came up, he got all the way to the NBA with that wacky jump shot, which tells me his, his dad had no idea what he was doing his entire life. Um, he instilled like the work ethic and, and all of that in, in his kids, but he clearly couldn't teach them how to shoot because they all had weird looking jump shots. So Lonzo said, told his friends, be quiet, told his dad, be quiet, told everybody connected to him, stop it. I'm going to, to the people that know what they're doing. That's one thing Ben Simmons would never do. He had his brother helping him shoot jumpers for how long he had his dad's friend. Who's a trainer at LSU. He had all this, all this BS. You know, so I think Lonzo yeah. did a good job of, of sh like, silencing all the noise and going and doing it the right way. Um, yeah, yeah, exactly. And it earned him, a, you know, $80, 90000000 million in free agency. Like, the, the hype wore off. He realized, yo, I got to get better. And that's exactly what he did. Um, shout out to Daniel Hilt with the $2 super chat. He says, what are your thoughts on Queen so far? That kind of, you know, brings us exactly to where we were going to go. We have more things to talk about, but. You know, last thing on, on the summer league, because that's kind of the main thing here on this show. Um, just wanted to, you know, ask the chat. And, and again, feel free to call into the show, 508-924-3784. Uh, we're live on two channels, Philly Take with RB, Run It Back Philly. We got almost 500 people combined in here. So hit that thumbs up wherever you guys are watching. Much appreciated. Uh, you know, just keeping you updated on everything. But DJ, is there anybody throughout the summer league so far, other than the guys we talked about, Isaiah, Joe, Paul Reed, Bassie, any other guys that, you know, kind of opened your eye or, or maybe shocked you or, you know, just anyone you're keeping an eye on, maybe traveling queen. 
Yeah, it is Trevlin Queen. I like that he just said that. Uh, he's somebody that I wanted to talk about, man, because what I saw from him last game, I didn't get to watch the summer league game tonight. I, I did. Did Queen play in this game? I, I saw he only had two points. I don't know if he played many he, minutes. He played. He had a rough game, but he did play. Um, but but the last game that I did get to watch, uh, you know, he he impressed me as far as his shoot his. his Having more than one skill, and we say it all the time on the Sixers rosters, the Sixers bench, we always have these one-dimensional guys. Um, I think Daryl is now getting guys that are multi-dimensional, guys that can shoot the ball, and then they can dribble the ball, and then they can also pass the ball. And it's like, you know, basketball players. I'm always like, why don't we have basketball players? You show up to a park, you see players that can shoot, then they can dribble, then they can pass. Then, And it's like every team seems to have these guys, and we never do. So I think Daryl's getting us to a point where we have we have multiple players that can just play ball, that can shoot an open shot, that can put the ball on the floor, that can pass the ball. We saw Trevlin and Queen coming around to pick and roll the last game and threw a lob to, to, to Paul Reed. Uh, his jump shot's nice. He's a good size at 6'6". Uh, he hasn't played many NBA games, I think only 10, but he had an NBA debut in with the Houston Rockets, and he scored 17 points uh, in that game. So I, I think Trevel and Queen can contribute off the bench. And if you're looking at Trevel and Queen, DeAnthony Melton, P.J. Tucker, I mean, the bench is already miles better than it was last season if if Doc Rivers plays the right guys. Yeah, Trevel and Queen to me, I mean, his shot looks great. Um, that's an example of a guy who, you know, I would have confidence putting in an NBA game and saying, hey, go take a shot from the wing, you know, and um, you talked about the alley-oop. He has great vision. That pick that pick and roll alley-oop to Bassey, what a monstrous, you know, throwdown by Bassey, who has looked great as well. We expect him to get better. Uh, but Trevlin Queen, you know, his backstory, very inspirational, you know, guy that was, you know, living in his car and, and all this stuff. Um, and just hearing the way he talks, like he wants it. You know, he's a guy that I think would fight for minutes. And that's something that came up before when we talk about Furkan and Shake. These guys have been here. They've been around the, you know, around the game for a couple of years. And it's like, they don't seem like they want to embrace the opportunity. Trevlin Queen looks like he's hungry. And when you talk about Paul Reed, who's been a G League MVP, then you talk about Trevlin Queen, who Daryl Morey goes out and snags, who was a G League MVP last year. Well, the difference between Queen and Reed is that I think Queen's game will actually translate a little better right now because he can knock down a shot and he's not afraid to take it, right? Paul Reed's going to struggle shooting the ball. He's going to do other things for you, a high-energy guy, which I think is great and I think he can develop. But that's what I'm talking about. Trevor and Queen, coming from another system, looks like he can shoot a three-pointer. That is exactly what we need. Obviously, he needs to get better with it and more consistent, but... You know, he had a, a great game the last time out. And, you know, he's a, he's more athletic. And I don't know. I would give him a shot over Furkan for a few games, see yeah. what he can do. Like, I, I just see it there. You know, there's just certain guys you can see it. And it's like, okay, that might translate. Right. It's not, that's the thing about the Sixers bench. It's like, it's not like it's a big-time competition. These these It was awful. It was awful last season. It just was. Uh, you know, Doc was flipping between – uh, Matisse Thibel and Furkan Korkmaz in, in literally in the sixth man off the bench or seventh man behind George Niang. So, you know, it, it, it's not hard for me to say these players deserve the opportunity over 
those guys. And you're right. They've been here for like three or four years. It feels like they've been here for 10. It feels like every mm-hmm. single season we come back with Furkan Korkmaz and Shake Milton, and they're yeah. just meh. They're just yeah. meh. Not that, not that bench players are going to wow anybody, but a little like a little a step up from meh is where mm-hmm. I need to be with some bench players. Like, you know. Exactly. And I, I just need to see it pop off the screen a little more. I think Trevlin Queen, you know, just seeing him break down guys off the dribble. I mean, he's going right to left. Uh, he's blown by some of these defenders. Again, I know it's not the best competition, but it's just it's it's refreshing to see a little bit. Um, now, another guy, Miles Powell uh, in the summer league, he was with the, the Sixers a couple games last year. He was doing the same thing. And uh, I have a video here just showing one of the plays that he had from the last game. And, and this is just the type of thing. Now, again, do I think Trevlin and Queen, Miles Powell are going to make the opening day roster? Probably not. But. I think given more opportunity, I think you could see some of these guys just bring an element that we need, something that we desperately need. Like, look how Miles Powell off the dribble here drives with the left and steps back. I mean, it's just oh, that's it's nice. beautiful. Like, and Miles Powell, he was a guy I watched a lot in college at uh, at Seton Hall, and he had a, a big injury, I remember, and it kind of plummeted his stock. But this is just nice to see. It, like, we don't have any of this coming off our second yeah. unit. and. You know, it would just be nice to see some guy break out and have an opportunity. But I, I just I don't know if we have the room for it. And I don't think Doc Rivers would really give him a chance. Um, but those are some of the guys I watched. And one more guy, Grant Ryler, who I was interested a couple years ago, you know, in drafting in the second round. We did not. Uh, we ended up picking him up last year. Grant Ryler to me, like the experience he had on the floor in a couple games that that he showed. It was just great. I think he's older. I think he's like 26, 27. Um, but his vision, man, he wasn't forcing anything. He looked like he knew how to play the game. And it, it just something I saw in his game. I don't I don't think he'll uh, make the team, but you know, he'll probably be with the blue coats and, and probably bounce around a couple teams. But Grant Ryler to me, he looked steady, he looked consistent, and he was always making the right play. And that is something that I think we need coming off the bench. Yeah, I saw Miles Powell do some of those things. In NBA games, you know, when we were having those COVID outbreaks and we had like seven players and Doc was forced to play them just because, um, just because you didn't have anyone else, uh, you know, Miles Powell was out there doing his thing. And, and, I, and I, I saw things from him that I hadn't seen from Sixers players, Sixers bench players in a long time, which is a guy that can shoot the ball and then dribble drive and finish at the rim and create something and go up and under, go around the defense, go – you know, you saw right there a little around the screen crossover, left hand, in and out, dribble, step back, like, you know, skilled basketball guard type of things. Um, and I saw him do that in NBA games last year. Uh, not, you know, it was against the Miami Heat. I think we had seven players and they had eight or something like that. So it's not like it meant anything really. It was basically a G League game. But uh, I saw him do that on the NBA floor. And I liked Miles Powell then. Um, and I thought he should have probably been coming off the bench last season with our lack of, of uh, you know, shot creators off the bench. Uh, but, yeah, I wouldn't bank on Doc Rivers giving him uh, the opportunity. But I do like Miles Powell. Yeah, absolutely. And and it'll be good to see some of these guys in, in the G League, and hopefully they can make their way up. Overall, though, the Sixers go 2-1. and one. We saw what we needed to see. Charles Bassey looks like he's developing. Paul Reed looked like a monster. And, and Isaiah Joe knocking down shots. Those seem to be the three. Um, that will probably make it up at some point for sure, but we'll just have to wait and see. Shout out to everybody in the chat, man. If you want to call in 
3784. Give us some thoughts. What do you think about the summer league? Anything you're noticing, something that we may have not picked up on, give us some thoughts. In the meantime, we'll transition a little bit and we'll talk about <laughs> what happened with Jimmy Butler. Um, this was <laughs> completely hilarious to me. Uh, PJ Tucker posts a farewell, a goodbye to Heat Nation. And uh, Jimmy Butler comments on it and says, F you and Joel Embiid. Yeah, I brought him into this. Now, if you don't have any, you know, background on, on these guys, obviously, you know, Jimmy Butler's been teammates with both of them. And Jimmy's just that type of guy. He's obviously kidding. There's not any malice here. It's not like, oh, I really hate you, hate Joel Embiid. He, you know, Embiid, he loves Embiid. That's like his best friend. Um but to me, this this showed me exactly why I love and miss Jimmy Butler. It showed me exactly why. Because it doesn't matter if you're his best friend. It doesn't matter if you're his worst enemy. It doesn't matter who the heck you are. Jimmy Butler said, all right, you're 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 the opposition now. All right, screw you. And <laughs> I just love that type of tenacity and that attitude. And, you know, it just, it just showed me why I miss Jimmy Butler, man. Yeah, it's so Jimmy Butler for, for a comment like that. Uh I like that he tagged Joel Embiid too. It does to me give a little bit of, of notion that Jimmy still wishes he was in Philly. And he said that, by the way, last yeah. year after the playoff game. He, it was kind of an accident that he's how he said it. <laughs> but he said, like, I wish I was still there. I do love Miami. That's what he said. That's how he said it. Uh, you know, and, and now PJ goes to Philly and Jimmy's probably like, damn, man, I would. I'd love to be in Philly with PJ and Embiid. Imagine that team, man. <laughs> so I think he does feel that kind of way, and that's probably why I said it. And I don't think it's possible at this point for that to ever happen. Uh, you know, maybe maybe a year or two from now, something drastic changes, yeah. and, it, and, it, and it is possible. But I think if Jimmy had the chance to come and play with Embiid and PJ Tucker right now, he would do it. Yeah, and honestly, I think Jimmy views Joel Embiid as his best shot of getting a title. Like, when you think about Jimmy Butler, you know, he's been close a couple times, but they have not gotten over the hump, and he's looking at a guy like Bam Adebayo who's been inconsistent in the playoffs, and I bet he's still wishing I was with Joel Embiid. And in terms of P.J. Tucker, it was kind of a given from early in free agency that he was going to be a sixer. It all lined up. It all made sense. To be honest, you know, I'm surprised the Sixers haven't been hit with any tampering talks yet because it's almost like we knew P.J. Tucker was going to be a sixer. I'm bet I'm betting Harden reached out to him, you know, Joel, Daryl Moore, it doesn't matter. Um, but we knew he was going to be a sixer, and you know, just kind of how it how it works out sometimes. And, you know, that's where we're at. That's where yeah, we're at. You're probably gonna see a couple teams come out and get some big fifty thousand dollar fines or whatever for tampering because it's <laughs> it definitely happened. The Knicks right now are being are being looked at for the Jalen Brunson stuff. Yeah. Uh but yeah, do you really think? Do you think PJ Tucker left over three million dollars? Like, they, I, I'm pretty sure Miami, the most they could offer him was like six point seven. That's why he left. I think he did. I think he did because as a guy that is 37 years old, and it was actually reported, uh, I think it was yesterday, that the the third op, third year is actually a player option. So Tucker has the most flexibility. He got the most money. He's won a championship, and he's older now in his career. He's winding it down, but he's thinking, yo. Why not go ahead and get a chance to finish the unfinished business that I had in Houston with James Harden, help him get a ring. Joel Embiid, you know, literally called me out. Once a guy like me on his team, go help him get a ring. Daryl Morey's been my guy. He signed me before. Go help him get a ring. And I, I just think it made too much sense. And 
I don't know. I, I just think, I think all of that combined pushed PJ Tucker to Philly. And, and I think him as a player and a person fits perfectly with what we're looking for. It's exactly what we needed. And I think Daryl secured one of the top targets on the free agent market. It's a big move, man. Like if you watch PJ Tucker on Instagram and the lifestyle that he was living in Miami, you know, it, it, me personally, it would take a lot more than just an extra $3 million to, to leave the palm trees in the South beach mansions, uh, and, and come, you know, live in the Ritz Carlton in Philly, in Philly or whatever. But I mean, you know, maybe he does want to, uh, win a couple more rings, and maybe he thinks that's his best chance to do that. I know money's not everything, and these guys can go wherever they want all the time, so it's not that big of a deal. But, um, yeah, maybe maybe that is why. Maybe, you know, he had conversations with Joel. Maybe they're friends outside of this. and they were for, Maybe they had conversations already, and he likes his personality, and he likes his work ethic and his tenacity, and he thinks, you know, a guy like that in the, in the, in the middle of the floor commanding the attention, I get to hang out on the corner – and do what I do, shoot 46% from corner three. Um, so, yeah, you know, I, I'm happy it happened. I, I guess it's an overpay. Everybody's – people are mad about it like it's their money. I don't understand it. Like, the amount of money doesn't matter to me because the, the amount of money is just going to keep going up. If we're mad about players getting $200 million right now, in 10 years we're going to be mad that they're getting a billion dollars. Uh, you know, it's just going to keep going up. All that matters is, is it under the salary cap? You have, do you have enough salary cap space to sign this player that you think can help you win a championship? Whether that's $33 million or $13 million or whatever the number is doesn't really matter, in my opinion. Everyone acts like, oh, my God, we gave him $33 million. Uh, it's terrible. I don't care. Yeah. Now, the, the Sixers are at a point where they need to get as much, you know, like, it, like we said, they want to get younger, but they need to get as much experience as they can and really make that push and kind of go all in and, you know, P.J. Tucker was one of the biggest names on the market. And Daryl Morey and James Harden used their ties. I'm sure Harden called him up immediately and said, yo, I need you in Philadelphia. Like, come make this happen, and we'll go out and win another chip. And I just think it made the most sense, and we have to give Daryl his props for going and getting one of the best free agents on the market, especially in a, in a year where there's not a lot of big names. And he got exactly what we've been calling for. He got the toughness. He got the shooting. I mean, it's exactly what we need. We saw firsthand what he did in the playoffs. And I, I just can't worry about the monetary figure. Like, it was a great signing. And, it, you know, it ended up leading to a couple others. And, you know, here we are. We got better. We got better at the end of the day. And that's, you know, exactly. really all, all we can say at this point. Uh, and, again, people look at his age and, you know, just look at how he played. Don't look at his age. You know, everybody's different. He, play, he out-hustled James Harden, and he was six years older than James Harden. Like, it, the age thing doesn't really matter to me at this point. If he was 42, I'd be like, all right, what are we doing here? But, you know, 37, eh, it's pushing it. But looking at how he played in the playoffs last season, he didn't play like he was 37. He didn't, you know, he, he was out there hustling like a like a 17-year-old. So, you know, yeah, he, I'm, yeah. I'm down to give him three years. Yeah, absolutely, man. Shout out to Daniel with the $2 Super Chat. He says, I think PJ knows Miami has hit their peak. It's a good point, man. Miami, they're going to have to change some things up. And, you know, they drafted a couple guys, but how far can they really go? How far can they go? I think it's a, a solid point, man. And paid a guy that couldn't even get on the floor in the playoffs. Yeah. yeah, exactly. A lot of money. A lot of money. So definitely something to keep our eye on. Uh, we got a lot more to talk about. Shout out to everybody in here. 500-plus in the building. Hit the like button wherever you're watching. Be sure to subscribe as well. Let's go to the phones, man. Let's take a call. 
How are you guys feeling about Summer League, P.J. Tucker, this whole thing? We got more to, you know, talk about with Eric Gordon. But how's how are you feeling as the fan base? Let's get some pulse, man. Let's go to the uh, the 267. 267, what's going on, man? Hey, what's going on, guys? Hey, what's up, man? What's up? Man, like, I, you know, I, so far, the Summer League, you know, is definitely, uh, I could say, you know, I, I ain't really expect too much, but, you know, I'm glad that they decided to win two straight and everything. But my only concern, just like, like y'all been saying, man, like, they need, like, is are the Sixers got the worst like young developing coaches in the NBA, <laughs> they just seem like every other team knows how to develop their young players. I couldn't agree I more. I mean, it, it it's like I just don't get it, man. It's just like listen. It's my, at the end of the day, Ben Simmons is gonna do whatever he wants, but the rest of the young players, it's like why everybody hasn't approved. It's like like. Tyrese Maxey just got that dog in him. He he wants to approve. But it just seems like they either drag players that don't want to approve or don't know how to improve them. Like it's just like, yo, y'all can't be drafting players that just like like uh set them as projects. It's like it's either that or just like, yo, just get better play. It, it's like we can't continue to like trade or sign like players. When when you got the Celtics and these other teams that just d- developing their young players, man, we gotta develop our young players. Yeah, yeah, I agree. Appreciate the call, man. Yeah, he's exactly right, and that's exactly what I was echoing earlier. Like, look at I, I feel like as a fan base, we get so fixated on a guy's one talent, on a guy's specialty, right? And then a year goes by, two years goes by, and it's like, okay, well, you got to develop, you got to be well rounded as a player. Look how the league is trending, and we don't see that. Why don't we see that? That's a question we need to ask. That's a question where, you know, as Sixers fans, we need to hold them more accountable as well. You know, why aren't we seeing that? We can't let it get to a boiling point and say, okay, well, now what, right? It's a a problem, man. Yeah, I go back and forth uh, with it, whether it's it's drafting players that just have – that, that show the signs that they're going to grow into something and drafting players that don't show the signs that they're going to grow into anything, but kind of hope that they will. So uh, I go back and forth with it. When you talk about the Boston Celtics, look, they drafted Marcus Smart. Everybody knew what he was coming out of uh, Cincinnati, I think. Absolutely. He was just a dog. He was a, he was exactly what he is right now. He just grew into a better version of that in the NBA. Uh, they drafted Jalen Brown in 2016, two spots after we took Ben Simmons. Um, Brown wasn't good, though. He wasn't good the first couple years. It, well, he wasn't. It, it was a reach at the time, but that's what I mean. They saw the 6'7", 240 frame and the shooting ability and the and the potential to grow into this, like, prototypical NBA wing, uh, you know, kind of what we did with Andre Iguodala back in the day who ended up not developing a, a really consistent shot but i just think they draft better also not only do they develop better they draft better you know we draft matisse thibel who's an actual defensive back and has no basketball skills whatsoever and just hoped that he would magically learn how to play he didn't show any signs that he would 
learn how to play. Um, so I, I think they draft better and they probably develop better too. I don't know which one it is. Yeah. Well, you're right about Jalen Brown. It was a reach at the time. I couldn't believe they took him that high. I remembered following him through college that year, and he was supposed to go probably late first, and they were like, Jalen Brown number three, and we were like, what? But it ended up being a pretty damn good draft pick. So, you Look, know. man, at, at the end of the day, like, we can we can backpedal, right, and we can think about a guy like Ben Simmons. Like, that. that is – that's really all we need to, to prove, to, to give us evidence, right? Like, a number one overall pick, our – talent development couldn't get him to shoot a basketball and then you can say okay well he's just a different type of player and you know the personality comes into it and all that but then we just made the same exact mistake with Matisse Thibel like if you remember last year at this point we were talking about Thibel in the Olympics he was starting to look like he had a little bit of a shot coming on and then we get to the playoffs and he he, like dudes are running away from him in the corner like and he will not shoot a basketball that transition especially after what we saw transpire with ben simmons and us going out in the second round of a game seven of uh you know a home series like that that just can't happen and that's why i feel like it's more on the development side and it's like we have all these great assistant coaches but like what are we doing to develop i just don't i don't see it i don't see it i've obviously said a lot about ben simmons throughout my youtube career so far and i don't know if i've ever said this i think that the, the Ben Simmons was the worst thing for the Philadelphia 76ers at the time, but also the Philadelphia 76ers was the worst thing for Ben Simmons because we were just coming off of tanking. We had a, a coach that had never proven anything in the NBA. We had ownership that didn't know what they were doing, and we were so starving for star talent that this player who was so full of himself and so high on himself his whole life that, that – People said negative things about him way back in Australia about the fact that he didn't get along with teammates or didn't listen to anybody. Went to LSU, hardly even d- d- stepped on the campus, didn't care to try to take them to the, to, the, to the tournament, didn't even, chose not to play in the NIT tournament, showed all the signs. And, and you know, if he would have went to L.A., or another team that was established, if he wouldn't have been a number one overall pick, if he would have been, like, pick 15 or something, it would have went to a team that was established it would have forced him more to be like, all right, you have to do this or you're never seeing the NBA floor. The fact that he was a number one overall pick and he was heralded as some celebrity and he went to a city that was starving for stardom, nobody would tell him anything. It was like, please, we don't want to say anything because we don't want to make him angry and request a trade or something. So it was like a recipe for disaster, really, when I think about it that way. We didn't, he was walking into a situation that wasn't going to teach him to change his mindset. And we were getting a player that didn't plan on changing his mindset. And it, it, now that you look back on it, it just wasn't going to work. He needed to be somewhere where you could look at him and say, listen, bro, if you don't shoot the ball, you're not playing. And we just weren't yeah. in a position to say that to him. And it, I wish we could have been in the position to say that to him. Yeah, and I think another thing is is the whole coaching thing. You know, again, the enabler, the Ben enabler. And, and <laughs> just, you know, like we kind of took a step backwards. I don't think we thought we were going to do that. But now, you know, you get to the playoffs, and, and I got to be honest with you. I feel like Daryl Morey, if you've been listening to what he's saying, all of his comments, you know, getting a guy like Daniel House, getting a DeAnthony Melton, they keep asking him, why did he go out and target these players? He says, I think the playoffs showed what we really need, and that are that is guys that can do it on both sides of the ball, guys that can shoot, guys that can can play defense. And I'm not, I'm not going to say he's taking direct jabs at a guy like Matisse Thibault, but maybe he is. Maybe he's sick of it. 
And he's realizing now two years in a row, we've had guys that are simply complete liabilities on the offensive side of the ball. And, you know, he's trying to change the culture a little bit. So yeah, when he watched us, yeah, when he watched us get, you know, out hustled, out rebounded, one of the worst transition defense teams in the league, lack of athleticism. He looked at it like, okay, obviously I can't have, you know, uh, Danny Green, Matisse Thibel, George Niang, Shake Milton, uh, Furkan Korkmaz. None of these guys, you know, Danny was at the end of, of being a 3 and D player. So it was like I have to get guys that can score and that can hustle and that can rebound for their size against other players at their position and can play defense and get back in transition and things like that. So I think in in just one offseason, because he was – he was held hostage in last offseason. He didn't get to do what he wanted to do because of the whole Ben Simmons situation. So, really, he had one offseason to try to fix a whole lot of things, and I think he did a lot of work so far in getting yeah. athletic players that can play both sides of the floor. Yeah, exactly. That's where we're trending, man. Shout out to Mr. Roddy Poot, the $5 donation. He says, bring on Ben McLemore, Austin Rivers, and Markeith Morris. Shout out to Ron for getting Keith to respond on Twitter. Get all them dudes. Well, Ben was a former Rocket. Austin Rivers was a former Rocket. So you might be on to something. I'm <laughs> telling you. And, and hey, what, what we're about to get into now, I'm telling you, Daryl Morey, I think he's hit his breaking point and he's just sitting there thinking to himself, well, what if I just reassemble the team that got me to the Western Conference Finals and just add Joel Embiid as the cherry on top? Maybe we go and win it all. Like, it, it's not a coincidence that every player we have gotten this offseason has an affiliation with the Houston Rockets. Am I right? No, yeah. And I think part of it is part of it's his connection with those players. Part of it is that he witnessed firsthand how those players fit around James Harden with the ball in his hands. So that's also part of the reason he's looking at those guys. You know, you could find other players around the NBA that could fit perfectly around James Harden with the ball in his hands, but he doesn't know that. He knows these guys fit around James Harden. Uh, a couple years later, it's it's taking it's taking risk because now you're looking at 37 year old PJ Tucker and 33 year old James Harden. But at the same time, it's like if I'm going to take a chance, and they're still playing at a, at, at a, a a pretty high level, yeah, I'm going to bring all the guys over. <laughs> Let, let's just let's just do that. <laughs> let's exactly. see how it goes. They were, they were close, man. If Chris Paul never got hurt, you know who knows what have happened, what would have happened, and uh, would have been interesting, yeah. man. Shout out to uh, PD for becoming a channel member whatever channel you became a member of shout out to you man shout out to all the people in here again call the show 508-924-3784 we talk summer league we're talking about the team the offseason what we think could happen obviously there's not a lot going on right now but the fact we got 500 people in here you guys are the best man continue supporting uh the last thing we must talk about is eric gordon speaking of former rockets and uh there was an update on the eric gordon thing and we're gonna you know, read the update, and, and I want to get some thoughts, man. How do we feel? Is an Eric Gordon trade even remotely possible? Are the Sixers done? Uh, is Daryl Morey content with how the roster is? And uh, this came from my guy Harrison on Twitter. Shout out to him. He posted it. It's from Kelly Eco NBA, who covers the Houston Rockets for the Athletic. So obviously some inside info there. And he said, uh, Eric Gordon, the subject of repeated interest around the league, was close to being traded on draft night with the Sixers presumed to be the landing spot before talks ultimately fell apart. 
But in addition to the Sixers, the Rockets received offers from no less than six teams. So a lot of interest in Eric Gordon as we see the Heat, the Bucks, the Suns, who offered packages including first-round picks. I believe Daryl Morey was doing everything he can. We, you know, we heard it reported multiple times, and I still think, you know, post-draft he was trying to get Eric Gordon. And then we see here, it says sources told the Athletic Philadelphia re-engaged with Houston at the beginning of the free agency regarding the former six man of the year. But the Rockets are not desperate to offload Gordon, certainly not as desperate as some contenders are to obtain him in what looks like a standard championship hopeful rental. And then down here it says, Houston may reevaluate offers at the trade deadline, but assuming no team presents an offer deemed acceptable, the Rockets are more than pleased to have him on the roster heading into camp. So, that's kind of where we sit with the the Eric Gordon thing. What are your thoughts on that, DJ? Yeah, that's interesting to me because, you know, he's a player that's at the point in his career where, like, the Rockets are full in full-time rebuild mode. Yes. Um, and they finally get rid of the, the John Wall contract. Um, I think they ended up paying out a ass ton of money to get rid of the John Wall contract. Yep. But it's, it, like... Eric Gordon just seems like that player that's at this point in his career that the Rockets would be more than happy to move on from at, in a, in a full on rebuild to just, yeah. why not, you know, continue to grow your young players and continue to, to acquire more and more cap space and get rid of more and more aging contracts. So I don't really know why they're so like hesitant to trade him. Um, I guess we can't really find out what the package was that, that Daryl Morey offered, uh, if it included Matisse Thibel, then I don't know why the Rockets would have said no to that because, you know, why not get a young, relatively inexpensive, athletic, defensive player on and on and on um, for a guy like Eric Gordon? Uh, interesting to me. I, I, I really can't figure out why they're sitting here turning down all of these offers from, from other teams unless the offers just kind of aren't that much. For Eric Gordon right now, you know, maybe they're getting, maybe Daryl's like, Hey, listen, we'll give you a uh, fur con and a couple second round picks. And they're like, yeah, and it, was, it was rumored that <laughs> the, the Rockets were even looking for multiple first round picks at one time. And then it said, you know, first round pick and a player. And, you know, it's already a tough contract with him making almost 20 million a year, I think over the next couple of years. Uh, but I, I personally feel that people have forgotten about Eric Gordon. Yeah. You know, he's 33 obviously not what he once was you know we remember the old days right when he was with who the uh the hornets or the pelicans or whatever and then with the rockets like eric gordon was a pretty good player like it said he was a six man of the year at one point mm -hmm. but Eric gordon on those houston teams he was a he was a, a structured piece of that organization like i don't want people to forget and act like he you know he's just a nobody no Eric gordon can still play and i think people have kind of thrown him under the radar because, like you said, he's been with a team that is not going anywhere. Um, and he's kind of just sitting there left out to die, really, when, you know, he's trying to win a championship. He's trying to go to a to a place and be a contender. Um, but it just sucks, man, because if, you know, say he was making a little bit less, that could be a, a piece that I'm sure Daryl Morey would try to get his hands on. And, and I don't care what anybody says. Eric Gordon would immediately come off this bench and be one of the best players. Like, I've seen Eric Gordon on one ankle go out there and shoot the ball 15 times a game. That's something we don't have, mm -hmm. and he can knock down from deep, and I know he's not what he once was. He'll be slower. The main concern is that he hasn't played a full season in a couple years, but Eric yeah. Gordon can play, man, and if there was any way to get it done, I believe Daryl Morey would be on top of it.
Yeah, I think Eric Gordon can can still play at, at a pretty good level for a couple more years with his shooting ability. Shoots, you know, I'm I think over forty percent for his career, forty one something. The last time he played decent minutes in the NBA, and he was always a combo guard. Uh, you know, could take the ball to the rim too. Could could drive and finish. He's just like a perfect prototypical like you know, fourth or fifth option when he was in his prime. But at this point off the bench, a guy that is going to get you buckets, is going to contribute right away. And it's not a it's not a 22-year-old that you have to wonder is going to develop into something or something like that. It'd be the perfect kind of player to add to this roster. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, at 20 million, it's tough. It's yeah. tough to make a trade happen. And then you get to the Rockets asking for two first-round picks, and you're like, all right, man, let's slow our roll yeah. here a little bit. Teams go crazy with with assets, you know, and overvaluing them. We saw Daryl do it with Ben Simmons, and whether or not he was truthfully asking people for five first round picks or whatever in in those times that I think he was trolling the rest of the NBA. But uh, yeah. I'm not giving up two first round picks for 33 year old Eric Gordon. So I could see sure. why the Sixers came back and were like, "Yeah, no, we're okay on that." Yeah, exactly. And I mean, if Houston wants to just hold on to him, I mean, that's on them. Uh, but the fact of the matter is you're, he's kind of just wasting space at that point. Um, but with where the Sixers are at, I truly believe Daryl Morey was trying to shop Tobias Harris. That is what has been reported for weeks and weeks. Uh, you know, he's cleaning up this mess, as we, we continue to say, right? Like little by little, he's cleaning up this mess. You know, he had a lot to deal with. And here we are. And I feel like Tobias Harris's contract um, – is the last thing he's tried to clean up, but I don't think there were any good trades, any suitors that really made us better right now. So I, at this point, I'm almost, you know, I'm almost at the point where it's like, okay, let's run it back, man. We, we finally keep the core together for a season. We see what happens. I don't think there's any other trades that make us better. You know, obviously Tobias having two years left on the deal will, will be a constraint for us. But, um, you know, I, I just think that Daryl Morey wants to put us in the best position available to try to win this year. Um, yeah. And he's keeping the experience with Tobias Harris. And maybe we'll make a trade midseason, but maybe not. I mean, I think this is pretty much what we're going to see going into the season. So, Yeah, and speaking of, speaking of Tobias Harris, uh, I, I'm starting to think that sadly I'm going to end up being right about Tobias Harris that, from last year, that you just can't trade him. The contract is just way too much for a player who's now 30 years old and barely averages 17 points per game, does not have a whole lot in his quote-unquote bag, uh, you know, is very predictable, um, isn't really a catch-and-shoot guy. He was trying to be more last year. He uh, added that to his game or, or tried to be more catch-and-shoot and quick trigger with James Harden. It, it looked better, um, but, I like, it's hard to get a team to say, yeah, we'll take Tobias Harris. Like it's, nobody's raising their eyebrows or standing up for the when you say Tobias Harris to them. He's just a player. He's just a NBA player. That's what he is, and he's on a a superstar contract. And I think we're gonna have to come to the realization that it's basically impossible to move without giving something up with it, like we did with the Al Horford situation. You had to throw in a future first round pick just for them to take that atrocious contract. And Daryl's not going to – I don't think he's going to do that. I think he's going to look at it like, hey, you know, Tobias is a NBA player, is a scorer, can be valuable. We can use him to score the ball. We have to completely get the numbers out of our minds when we talk about and think about Tobias Harris because he's 
just not going anywhere literally because I don't think you can get it done. Yeah. I mean, look, at the end of the day, Tobias Harris, once again, we know what he's going to give us on a nightly basis. I thought he stepped up, played some decent ball in the playoffs, but we do know, you know, time and time again, how he constrains us as a team. Um, the thing I need to see an improvement on from Tobias, because it does seem like he'll be a part of this core, is I need to see him be a better rebounder. You know, I need to see him quicker on his feet. I would like him to lose about 15 pounds and, and just be more agile. Like I thought he was a couple years ago when he was pending on, on that all-star game. Um, that's the type of Tobias we need, especially at the four. You know, we get a guy like Daniel House. We get P.J. Tucker. We get guys that will hopefully help in the rebounding category. But really, we need Tobias to be that because Joel Embiid, you know, he's got enough to deal with on his plate, right? He's doing everything. He's the main anchor of this team. And we know Joel for his size, and obviously we don't want him bouncing around a lot. You know, he's just not an elite rebounder for his size. Now, he will rack up 10 rebounds a game. That's because he's the biggest guy on the court. Uh, but if Tobias could consistently give us 8 to 10 rebounds a game, I think it would improve um, our team, and I think it would help us get out in transition, and it would give us another guy who could bring it up the floor and, and just be quicker, you know, and, and just bring an element that we need for this team. Yeah, I just I don't think Tobias Harris has that naturally in him. I think he can play like that when he kind of reminds himself, when he kind of goes into a game and says, okay, I need to be more aggressive in this game. I need to crash the boards. I need to box out. I need to grab rebounds. I need to play harder on defense. And then and then you see him go out there and look like more of that kind of player. Like, wow, where did this Tobias come from? And then he always kind of reverts back into the the player that he just is naturally, which is a little bit soft doesn't really fish for contact, doesn't go to the rim hard, doesn't get to the free throw line. Um, Tobias has the ability. It's just he's just not that kind of player naturally, and I don't think he's ever really going to be that at this point. But it, he showed signs in his last playoffs that he can, I guess, get himself to play more like you, you need him to play. Uh, he played he played really good defense in the playoffs this, this past season. Um, I, was, I was ecstatic about the defense that he was playing. I like that he was catching and shooting without hesitating and things like that. So maybe he's learning a new role. Maybe he looks even better this season coming up in that role. We'll have to see, but I definitely don't think he's yeah. getting traded at this point. Yeah, he, de he definitely embraces his role, and, you know, we're going to need more definition of that role. You know, he's a guy really where you really need to tell him what to do uh, at some points, and, you know, hopefully we get more of an identity on this team, in my opinion, you know, with, with Maxi and, and Harden. We really need to figure that out. Um, especially in training camp and getting these guys to work together. Uh, shout out to Duncan with the $5 super chess is do you guys think it's possible to get Curry or Drummond back. I miss those two. Well, Drummond signed with the bulls. So that's a no go. Uh, as for Curry, who knows what's going to happen with the Brooklyn nets, by the way, shout out to you and I, because we, <laughs> we, we sat up here and, and exactly predicted while the mainstream kind of took us off the other route. Uh, you know, we we said exactly what was going to happen with the Brooklyn Nets, and they are a disaster. And who knows? Seth Curry might be available in trade. He might go to the Lakers with Kyrie and and whatever happens there. I mean, they're in they're in a world of trouble, man. So yeah, we predicted it. We predicted it. I was never I was never afraid. Um, you know, when when Max Kellerman, the boxing commentator who decides he wants to talk basketball, gets up on ESPN every single day and says the the Brooklyn Nets are going to be the best team of all time. The Brooklyn Nets this, the Brooklyn Nets that. All I saw was three guys who need the ball in their hands, no depth, no defense, no team 
chemistry, no camaraderie, nothing that builds an NBA championship level team. They just thought, we'll just put three of the best scorers of all time on the same team and it's going to work. Everybody should have knew it wasn't going to work, not just for the fact that they were missing all of the, a whole bunch of NBA championship level intangibles team-wise, but those three idiots were never going to get along ever, ever. I think James left because he had a conversation with Kyrie Irving for five minutes and said, get me out of here. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, I put James in that same category too. He, he, to me, is the same type. I think we're starting to see that he's less selfish than those two. But at the time, I was like, you're putting three of the most selfish, self-indulged players in the same building. It's a disaster waiting to happen. And it did. We ended up with the best of the three because he came here and took a pay cut. So, hey man, thank you, James. You've, you've changed my mind on you. And now I can just rip, you know, Kyrie and Durant and the rest of the, of the Brooklyn Nets apart. Hey, man, don't forget, Harden admitted that he wanted to come to Philly at the prior deadline. He didn't want to go to Brooklyn. He always he said he always wanted to be in Philly. Um, and he got, you know, he ended up getting traded for eight picks. And the GM of the Rockets <laughs> didn't like Daryl Morey. So he got sent to Brooklyn. And like you said, it kind of burned over quick. Um, but he was playing well. He was playing good ball until he got injured. And, you know, he comes to Philly now. And, and what does he do? While those guys request trades back to back, James Harden asks for a pay cut or takes a pay cut and obviously gets more money over more years, but he takes a pay cut this year to put the best interest of the team forward. And it just shows the difference between where those guys are at. Where are you at on the Kevin Durant thing? Because to me, the Kevin Durant thing is another situation where NBA fans just see a skill set and say, I don't care, I'll take him. And I say, I do care. I don't want it anywhere close to the situation because things went south in OKC and he walked. Things didn't even go south in in uh, Golden State. He just had literally a 30-second argument with Draymond Green and said, I quit uh, and walked away from there. Goes to Brooklyn, signs a four-year contract, and in two years says, you know what, trade me. He's just completely thinking he can do whatever he wants. It's getting to the point where it's like, you know, owners are like, we got to start showing players that contracts matter. You can't just go sign a contract and say, trade me. You're, you're depleting NBA teams at that time. They gave up so much. Not that they gave up anything for Durant. He signed as a free agent, but they gave up crazy amount of picks for James Harden. And, uh, you know, I, I don't want Kevin Durant. I would love his skill set on the team, but I don't want Kevin Durant. If they, if you could put his skill set in somebody else, yeah, I'd be happy. <laughs> Uh, me, me personally, you know, I, I, I think you're on point with, with the points you're making about him as a person. Um, now when it comes to Kevin Durant, like you just said, the skill set. I mean, we're talking arguably maybe a top 15 player of all time. So if you have a chance yeah. to get Kevin Durant, I just, I look at him and Joel and B together. I think those two would be the most unstoppable force you may have ever seen. Now, obviously the baggage would come with it. KD, you know, he does let things get to him, which is frustrating. And, you know, he gets tired of certain situations. When I go back and look at those places, you know, Russell Westbrook, Kyrie Irving, Draymond Green, those, I mean, those aren't the easiest personalities to deal with. I think him and him and Embiid would put their little beef or what, if it, if it is, uh, even is beef or whatever, they would put that to the side. I think those two would work together and I think they'd be great, man. And Philly would embrace KD. 
Um, I would I would take him. I would, but it would be tough to see a guy like Maxi go. Um, and Brooklyn just doesn't have much leverage at this point. And I just hope if they do trade him and it's not the Sixers, I hope it's to a Western Conference team. Like I hope he doesn't end up in Toronto or, or somewhere like that because his skill set, like he's just he's an assassin, man. He is, and he's so good. And I just don't I don't want to have to face him multiple times a year. He is. Um and I, I I've said, you know, this whole kind of time talking about Kevin Durant and the possibility of coming to the Sixers that I think that would be a, a guaranteed championship if they were both healthy. Um I don't consider myself like a big time homer, but part of me just it is also that like uh, I'd kind of rather win it the hard way. I understand. Sounds, you know, I don't know. Like Kevin Durant joins my team. I've never liked him as a, as a, a personality in the NBA, and we win a championship. And eh, I don't know. I'd rather keep Maxi and keep trying and never win one. I guess I'm crazy for that. A lot of people are like, "You're crazy! You're crazy!" I don't know. I, no, I just no. There's people that agree with me. I get <laughs> I get people. Look, I, I understand the opinion, man, for sure. And, and there's definitely people that feel that same way. Uh, I just want to do whatever it takes to give Joel Embiid a chance to win a championship. I feel like he deserves it. You know, it's his time. And I don't I don't even think the KD to Philly thing would ever even happen anyway. Um, but I do think the Nets have imploded and, and he's going to be on the move if they can get something done. Because after Rudy Gobert got traded for five first-round picks <laughs> and half of a team, there's this... You know, there's so much that you can offer for Kevin Durant. And it's just, I think it's going to boil down real bad, man. I, I don't think it's it looks good for them. I think, sadly, NBA players like Kevin Durant are losing sight of, of what it is to build a championship team. You know, he's at a level now where he just wants to, okay, I'm leaving here. I want to go somewhere else where they're good enough to win a championship. And if I feel like it's not... Now I want to go somewhere else where they're good enough to win a championship. Why don't you just stay somewhere for like four or five years and build a championship team? You know, he could, he could just stay in Brooklyn and let them have another season or two to work through what they're working through and try to put a winning team around you. But I'll this whole, like, I'm Kevin Durant, I deserve a team that's good enough to win a championship, it comes off as, like, just childish to me and, like, very just self-centered and annoying. And I hate it. I see me personally. I feel that it's not that way, though. I think it's KD saying I can't stand this Kyrie Irving anymore. Like, I think Kyrie just with everything extra he brings, you know, KD went to Brooklyn. That was that wasn't the the popular hotspot, right? That wasn't like the New York Knicks or anything like that. He went to Brooklyn and said, all right, well, now everybody coming at me you know, going to the Golden State Warriors and this and that. I think KD just sat there and said, you know, I got to go to my own spot and win it now. And he picked a destination like Brooklyn with with Jay-Z and all that going on. But I think he's just sick of Kyrie. And and the, the reports are that, oh, they would welcome getting traded together. I don't believe that for a second. I think KD right. is just sick and tired, you know, going through it with Harden and then going through it with Kyrie and then with Ben. Like, I just think he's sick of it. <laughs> and I think it boils down to that. Yeah, and I think they get in like a practice with Kyrie Irving. They can probably see that he's just not very dedicated to basketball. His mind is elsewhere. I've said it before. He's probably that person in the group that makes everything super serious real fast. Probably doesn't have much of a sense of humor. You know yeah. what I mean? You're probably like playing ball and joking around. And he's probably like, guys, it's deeper than that. There's wars going on in the world. 
They're he, like, bro, come on. Katie Go made a mistake. somewhere. <laughs> that Katie knows he made a mistake pairing up with uh with Kyrie, man. And it's just tough, man. He asked the reporter why they're asking him about basketball the one time because <laughs> there was a war going on in Syria. We're not CNN, bro. We're supposed to ask you about the basketball game. What do you want us to do? Yeah. And 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 I made a video or talked about it the other day and you know, I said I don't want Kyrie anywhere near this team. Absolutely no way and and some people were saying, "Oh, well, Kyrie makes us such a good basketball team. He's just not focused like you said. I don't see him ever getting that level of focus again on the basketball court and I just don't see it happening. So I, I don't really want him near this team. Um, shout out to Duncan with the $2 super chat. He says, Nets losses offseason. I love it. Go Sixers. They definitely did, man. They definitely are hurting. It's funny how nobody even mentions Ben Simmons anymore. Like when they talk about that team, it's just, it's something, man. It really is. Is he um, ever going to play? Well, you know, my take on it, man. <laughs> I said he wasn't going to play this season. I have a feeling he might be out a chunk of next season. I really do. I just. By the way, for anybody wondering, he did not request to sit out the entire season. That was a, a, a fake report that I put out for fun, and it got shared like 700 times and reached 200,000 Facebook accounts. So if you heard that, it was a joke. I didn't expect it to go as far as it went. But I wouldn't yeah. be shocked if, if he did. Hey, I don't, I don't, <laughs> I don't, I just don't think he's going to play. I don't, I, and not until I see it. There's just something different about it, and it's just crazy times that we're living in, man. All right, let's go to the phones, man. Let's go to the 281. 281, what's going on? All right, so um, I, I'm a big fan so far. I've been watching both of you guys' shows, and uh, uh, DJ Eastwood, you're going to have to bring back out those process complete shirts. Um, I'm a Houston Rockets fan, but I see that y'all have been forming the Philadelphia Rockets now. Right. And uh, you were one season too early. All right. Harden, the I superstar, was. will be back this season. Get ready. <laughs> let's do it. Uh, let's make a process complete 2.0 shirt. Uh, we'll put that. Yeah. Up. Um. I've just. Uh, yeah. I've been seeing all the signings and and what Daryl Morey's been doing, and I see that he's trying to recreate some of the things that he did here in Houston. The biggest thing to see. I know you guys are worried about all the free agent free agent signings and and who, and who you guys drafted and how summer league's going. If Harden is back to himself, and I believe last season was the anomaly, that's going to be that's that's all that needs to happen. If he's if he is a superstar, he's playing like he's capable of, and he's having a full off season. He's working out. I don't know if you saw that, y'all saw that clip with him and uh, Sam Cassell and Tyrese Maxson working out in, in the gym. Yep. He's actually having that full off season work. He's going to be right. He's going to be healthy. Get ready. <laughs> all right. Appreciate the call, man. Appreciate the call. I'm back. I was on sell the team a month ago, and I'm back in. I'm proud to say I never left. <laughs> <laughs> I'm here ready to rock, man. It's it's definitely testing me at times. It's pushed me to the limit. But I agree with the caller. I think Harden and his trainer said it best, having a full off season of work. You know, I mean, that hamstring injury lingered a long time. Then he has to go through all that drama with the Nets. He gets traded. He played about 20 to 25 games as a sixer. Give him time. Remember how it looked at the beginning. We got to see more of that, man. We got to get that down to perfection. If if I'm being honest with you, the main thing I'm worried about is Doc Rivers. Like, will will we, you know, play the young guys? Will we have that flexibility as a team? And, I mean, Daryl Morey went out and got us better pieces, right? Will they play? What will it look like consistently? Will we have this attitude issue and, 
and how will Doc address the media? Those are the things I'm worried about. I think Harden's going to come back better. Yeah, I think Daryl set it up almost. I think Daryl set up this roster almost like to make it obvious who's playing and who's not. It's almost Doc Rivers proof, this roster. Like, obviously, P.J. Tucker's playing off the bench. You know, I, I think DeAnthony Melton is an obvious one for just his not that Doc ever looked at a per 36 or any type of advanced stat ever, but his contributions at, at 24 years old uh, off the bench in uh, Memphis, um, you know, and, and Daniel House, and he signed veteran guys that can contribute that I think he knows Doc Rivers is going to play. So there's probably not as much to question as there was last season. Like, we had deep guys, guys in the G League that we thought could could help us in our rebounding department, B-ball, Paul, and things like that. But, you know, it was like, is Doc going to do it? But I think yeah. he's trying to build a roster now that's not only the best <laughs> he could do, but also Doc Rivers proof. Yeah. He's saying, Doc, you have to do it, man. You have yeah. to. There's no other way. And uh, I, I hope Doc reflects as well. You know, I hope he reflects and says, okay, mate, like, I, you know, Paul Reed has a great game. I don't need to put him on blast and say Paul Reed victory tour and all this stuff. Like you just got to adapt, man. You, we're trying to win a championship here and he knows that as well. I right, will go one more call. Let's go to the two, one, five, two, one, five. Who do we have on the line? What's going on? Two, one, five. What's going on? Oh, I was calling. Uh, I was calling the show. Yo, what's going on, man? You're on the show. Yo. <laughs> oh, I'm trying to, uh, well, I, I just wanted to get my opinion about James Harden. All right, let's hear it, man. And uh, Kyrie Irving, too. Huh? Let's I said, let's, let's hear it. Okay, uh, as far as Kyrie Irving and, and Kevin Durant, I just think, man, that we might be looking at it the wrong way. The whole season, Durant didn't have one bad thing to say about Kyrie. Not one. It wasn't until... Brooklyn made it known publicly that they wasn't going to offer him a max contract. Once he did that, that's what Kevin Durant said he wanted to trade. They balls. Once you didn't offer him the max contract, Kevin Durant said, fuck y'all, I'm out too. Because probably made it known that once he opted in and took the one-year contract, I'm out. And Kevin Durant was like, they, because they didn't offer his friend the, the max contract that they were supposed to. Because remember, all three of them were supposed to get a max contract. Harden, him, and Durant. Okay, Harden is gone. Once they made it clear that we wasn't giving you the mass contract, immediately Kevin Durant said, I want to trade. That's just my opinion on it. Okay. Appreciate it. But, but at the same time, it was like, you know, he played half the season last year, not even. Uh, not just the not just the vaccine thing. He he left for three weeks at one point to celebrate his sister's birthday. Uh, like right. I think he showed them reasons why they shouldn't give him a max contract. So right. why, why, why should they have given him a max contract? had one bad thing to say about none of that. None of that. He said, man, I mean, I what you got to do as far as, you know, his career is concerned. Not one thing. But as soon as Brooklyn said, we're not giving you the max contract, Kevin Durant said, I want to trade. Then you heard little rumors like they could be, they'd be willing to be traded together. Why? Because they're cool. Like, they still balls. He's backing up Kyrie. Okay, they didn't give you the max contract. I'm out too then. I, I, I disagree I with that. I, th I think that that's more of a, a publicity tactic uh, to try to up the value, um, you know, especially with a team trying to be interested in the talent of those two. Uh, I mean, it's also interesting that the KD trade request came out on the day of free agency. You know, I mean, it's 
I don't think it's a coincidence. No, really. I, I really believe I really believe that, man, because him and Kyrie boys. They I mean they boys. They boys today, they boys yesterday, they're gonna be boys tomorrow. When you didn't give them the max contract, when you told Kyrie we not giving you the max contract, all this shit gonna be incentivating, and he opted into the one year contract, he let it be known that he not he trying to get to the Lakers. Like I'm cool, I'm out. As soon as he did that, like you said, when the free agency started, Kevin Durant said, I want to trade. You don't think Durant was frustrated with Kyrie's uh, inability to Not play last season? I mean, he, pro- pro- he he probably was, but he never he never said so publicly. Not one time. I mean, why would he say it publicly? He sure said publicly, I want to trade. Now, after he didn't get uh, – after Kyrie didn't get uh, the mass contract, he's supposed to get the mass contract. Brooklyn was supposed to offer him the max, and that would be that. Kyrie let it know that he wanted to be there. He was talking about management and the moves we're going to make in the upper management and all that stuff. Yeah, he had plans to be there for the next four or five years for, for $200 million or whatever that it was. They said no. Once they said no, Kevin Durant said, man, you you be naked on my board. Man, I'm if out. You were, if, you were in, if you were in charge of Brooklyn, would you have given Kyrie a max contract? I'd have had to. You know what they traded? You know, they gave him eight draft picks for Harden. And Harden left. Hey, but you, mean, you can't you can't let Kyrie go. You also gotta remember you that you gotta remember that Kyrie opted into his player option as well. So he was gonna be here this year regardless. Then they're gonna be I'm gonna shoot the free agent next year and they're gonna lose me for nothing. They're gonna get nothing in return. Not a thing. All right. Not a thing. Hey, no, not, not a thing. I think what he's saying is is possible. I don't know the guys. I never met them. I don't know how good of friends they are, good of friends they aren't. I don't know if they hate each other, if they love each other. I mean, I know he never said anything publicly, but that doesn't necessarily mean that he, he was happy with Kyrie. Um, you know, we're all guessing and yeah. speculating, basically. Exactly. Yeah, appreciate the take. Um, I mean, Kyrie even opted into his contract the weirdest way possible. Like, it, everybody thought he was going to get put into a signing trade and he wanted out, which he did. It, that was reported. And then, you know, it ends up that he opts in and says, you know, I want to be different from the world and, and all this stuff. And, you know, he opts in at $37 million because I, I think there was no market. And then Kevin Durant requested a trade. I think he got tired of it. I think he got tired of the of the stuff. So, and then I think Minnesota, he tried to screw the Nets over by doing it on the day of free agency. <laughs> <laughs> that was ridiculous. What uh, Brooklyn asked Minnesota, do you think that's real? Because it's funny that the thing that people say, I would give up anything for Kevin Durant, that's an automatic championship. But would you, though, would you give up Anthony Edwards and a whole bunch of other assets for Kevin Durant? I don't I don't think they would give up Anthony Edwards, Carl Anthony Towns, and whatever, five first-round picks. I don't think they would do that. Wait, Towns was in there? That's what they said, yeah. See, that's the problem with the trade. Durant wants to go somewhere where he can win a championship, but you're going to have to trade your good players to get Durant on the team, so then you're on a team again with none of the stars on it because they had to trade the stars to get you. You're right, you're right. And I I don't think the Nets have any leverage either, though, because it is now public that KD requested out, Kyrie is a question mark, and just like you said, you know, KD wants to go where he wants to go. Kyrie wants to go where he wants to go. And it's not like you can ask for the King's ransom with every single team because what are you going to be left with? And especially when you see where the market's been evaluated at now with other trades, I just don't think they have a lot of room to operate. So some people think Katie might go back to Brooklyn, but who knows? 
Jason O'Connell says everyone expects the Nets to fall apart, but they made some nice signings. It's going to be interesting. Hey, and, and that's the last thing I wanted to talk about. They go out and, and they sign TJ Warren, who I wanted, man. I wanted, and I think they got him on a minimum. You know, it's a guy that hasn't played in a couple of years. But to me, that's that's the signing in place of Kevin Durant. Like, that's the, okay, we don't know what's going to happen. We'll get a piece that could kind of go either way, could play with some of these young guys. I mean, they traded a first-round pick for Royce O'Neal. Like, what was the point of that? And <laughs> they no, signed TJ Warren, and it's, you know, I think they're looking more towards the future, but to have a couple guys that could at least keep them relevant a little bit. So that's kind of where I'm at. Yeah, it's it's awkward right now for the Nets. They're not – are they in win-now mode? Are they like, hey, we're bringing Kyrie and Durant back, you know, whether the public thinks we are or not, and we're going to continue to build around them and try to give them pieces that can help them win? Yeah. <laughs> I don't know, man. Yeah. It's, I don't know, man. It's interesting. Then you throw, you know, the most overpaid cheerleader in there who hasn't played – for uh, what mm-hmm. an entire NBA season in Ben Simmons, it... and that's another thing that people aren't recognizing. It, like if you go back to the reports that were made at the time of that playoff series, let's not forget they got swept, they got embarrassed, <laughs> and the guy sat up there and said he was going to help the team and play. He did not, which we predicted. And you know what happened? There, it was reported that they were pissed off about that. They they felt like he quit. Another example, like it, it all what, boiled up, man. That's what was fun for me was that net was Nets fans watching us, and then us trading him, and them thinking Ben Simmons was gonna play, and it, Philly fans are dumb, and you're all just haters. You run players out of town, and you're all stupid. On and on and on. And we were like, "You'll see. We tried for five years with this guy. You'll see." And it didn't take very long. It took it took two playoff series and the Nets announced that he was going to be back for game four. And he woke up in the morning and said, sorry guys, I was sore back. That's what we told you was going to happen. He's a fraud. Now, now the Nets already know it. Didn't even I, take yeah. them a, a whole season. I, I knew this from earlier in the season, man. That's why I said <laughs> he wasn't going to play. And that's why I'm saying he still might not. I don't know, man. It's just, <laughs> they've just, they've imploded, man. Um, and that's kind of where we're at. So, Hopefully the Sixers can make out a little bit better and and you know get ready to go and and ben, see how it plays ben, out. Man, Ben will be he'll be one of the saddest NBA stories as far as potential wasted. But uh, you know, players say someone said John said he'll be in China in two years. He's not going to play basketball in China. He wouldn't play basketball. He's he's working on being a full time celebrity. That's what he's doing. He has a he's he has a, a commercial uh, contract with Ferrari right now. In, yeah. in some other countries he's just working on being a full-time celebrity he doesn't yeah. want to play basketball anyway and and i'll go on top of that to say the nets are the biggest failure of a super team of all time i mean look at, <laughs> look, at the, look at the talent they had even go back to the last bad trade they made with the whole pierce and garnett thing and how much they gave up and then look how much they gave up for Harden and, and you know just all of it piling up and just to see where it's at i just was that the same ownership group i believe i believe so yeah that's funny so. That's funny because when you really look at what, you know, the young core that they had and Jared Allen and D'Angelo Russell and all the players that they gave up instead of just continuing to build and maybe just being bad enough to get to the top of the draft and maybe you draft a player that becomes a star and you build a good team. Every time they start to build a core, they sell it all for an overpaid, overpriced 
uh, uh, trying to take a shortcut to the NBA Finals, and it's failed miserably both times. I yeah, mean, exactly. they set Boston up so perfectly. Boston, Boston was one of the best teams in the league and had the number one pick in the draft mm-hmm. because of the Brooklyn Nets. Just an awful, awful trade, man. Awful, man. But that leaves us where we're at. At least the six. At least we can look forward to the Sixers and say, you know, this team will at least make the playoffs. We know they'll be a good regular season team, and hopefully, we can get over the top, man. But. Shout out to uh, everybody in the chat. Still almost 500 in here. Hit that thumbs up wherever you guys are watching, man. This was a uh, good talk, especially with not much going on. The fact we were able to stay on here and give you guys sure, the man. coverage and, and the content, man. It's it's always a good time. And, uh, you know, shout out to everybody commenting in the chat and, and all the callers as always, man. Um, so now I believe the Sixers have a couple more summer league games, I think, this weekend coming up. And then really, it, it you know, then it's going to be a down period for for some time you know it's like <laughs> plus with the Sixers roster how it is and and honestly look at the NBA right like this week there was nothing nothing at all because everything is pending based on the Kyrie and KD situation like any teams that might have some stock to maybe go out and sign other guys or get people like they're all waiting to see what Kevin Durant does and it's just the NBA is down right now yeah, for sure. Um, July and August will be slow NBA times, I yep. think. Yep, we'll just have to wait and see, man. But uh, shout out to everybody coming through, man. Philly take with RB, run it back. Philly, I'm RB, that's DJ Eastwood. Appreciate everybody giving their thoughts, man, and, and you know, talking throughout the chat. Like I said, we're trying to keep you up to date with the, the most consistent coverage. So uh, anything else, DJ? No, nah, man. I think we're going to try to do this every Thursday, you know, whether there's big time news or whether there's just a little bit of news, but I think we're going to try to do it every Thursday. Yeah, absolutely, man. So shout out to everybody in the chat, man. Once again, hit that like button. If you have not yet, Sixers get it done in summer league two and one, baby. Isaiah, <laughs> Joe, put them on the roster, man. Put them on the roster. We need it, man. Shout out to everybody coming through. Hit that like button. Subscribe as always, man. You guys have a great night. Have a great weekend as well. And uh, we'll catch you on the next one, man. Peace.